Chapter 7. The coastal road north from Kami reaches open country within four minutes. It is a gentle climb till you reach the top of the cliffs. Then it descends steeply to the next inlet along the coast, named St. Anthony's Cove. It then widens into a dual carriageway, taking drivers on a direct route out of Cornwall. There are only three houses around the cove. Two stand together on the left as you drive through, and the other, a renovated fisherman's cottage, sits well back from the road on the right. It has a narrow driveway, a small, neat but nondescript lawn at the front, and a steeply climbing half-acre of field at the back. A few apple trees from the balcony form the boundary at the edge of the property before it becomes farmland. Although it is barely visible from the road, there is a new substantial and glaringly modern extension behind the house. This was where Nathaniel Flowerdew had lived since losing his job at Green Corps, a major international oil company and sponsor of the Cornwall Academy. Although it was barely a 10-minute drive from here to the Academy, the cottage was remote enough to avoid tourists, and certainly anyone from school. The other two houses in the cove were both second homes, and usually empty. Even when the families were there, they showed no interest in their nearest neighbour, and that suited him just fine. Flowerdew had built the extension almost immediately after moving into the property. He had filled it with, not with furniture, but with scientific equipment. It actually wasn't really an extension at all, it was a laboratory. With the exception of one corner, which housed a rowing machine and a treadmill. It was full of glass jars, blowpipes, models of molecular, molecular structures, computers and assorted machines packed closely together. Many displayed digital screens that blinked with the late, latest lines of data they had produced. It was a beautiful evening, with one of the finest sunsets of the year taking place out at sea. A few cars had even pulled over to watch the last rays disappearing spectacularly into the Atlantic. However, this had gone unnoticed by Nathaniel Flowerdew. He was hunched over a beige glass machine, using two steel levers to maneuver Itchingham lofts, small rock into a metal chamber. He straightened up slowly, his hands on the small of his back, and gave a low whistle. Every other movement he made was as rapid and fluid as his protective clothing would allow. As soon as he had arrived home after school, he had found his helmet, lead-lined apron, and shiny grey radiation gloves. At no time did he turn his back on the rock. This was the fourth experiment he had conducted that evening, and he had become more and more animated. After each test was completed, he moved over to a computer and fired off an email. The same email to the same recipients four times. Flowerdew noticed a tremble in his hands, which he tried to still. D despite his exhaustion, his speed around the lab was increasing. He had started talking to himself now. You have got to be joking, he said. What the? And most recently, you have got to be kidding. The lead case into which the rock had been placed during his brief trip home earlier in the afternoon sat on top of one of the workbenches, its lid open. He banged it shut as he passed and headed out of the door into the field. He removed his gloves and mask and took a headset from his pocket. Hesitating only briefly, he dialed a number from memory. There was an international length pause before he heard the ringing tone. It rang just the once before a woman's voice answered. Hello, who is this? It's Nathaniel Flowerdew in England. 
he stopped, suddenly uncertain what to say next. It is imperative that I speak to Mr. Revere or Mr. Van Den Howe. I wouldn't ring if it wasn't important. I have tried to email but have had no response. Please tell them it is really urgent. One minute. At least she didn't hang up, thought Flower Dew, sitting down on a garden chair and looking up at the stars as they started to appear. A minute passed, and with no holding music playing in his, he started to wonder whether he had lost the connection. Then the phone was picked up again and his heart lurched, but it was still the same woman. We have read your emails. Send another with all your results. Good night. And she hung up before Flower Dew had managed to say anything more. He jumped up, went in and grabbed a laptop from the lab, then ran outside again. No mask, but he had spent only a very short time inside. He sat again on one of his garden chairs, perched the laptop on his knees and turned it on. He waited impatiently for it to allow him to access his emails, his hand poised above the keys. At the pay, as the page loaded, he fired off another, more detailed explanation of what he thought he had in his lab. He copied in all the results of his test so far and attached a number of photos. The whole process took him 10 minutes. He pressed send. He sat looking at his laptop, not sure what to do next. It was now completely dark, but the bright lights of the lab spread out into the field. He put down the laptop and reached into his trouser pocket for a coin. Absent-mindedly, he worked it from his little finger to his ring finger and middle finger, twisting it up and over and under like a weaver on a loom. It reached his index finger and thumb, and then he reversed the process and the coin worked its way back again. With the exception of his fingers, he was quite still. Ten minutes later, the phone rang, sounding very loud in the garden, and Flower Dew jumped up, pocketing the coin. It's Christophe here, Nathaniel. How are you? It sounded as if the French co-chair of the Green Corps was just calling for a late-night chat, but Flower Dew knew that nothing was further from the truth. Good, thank you, Christophe. Well, as you can be expected here anyway. He stopped himself from grumbling about the academy. This was not the time and would not have been welcome either. Everything in the email is true. The rock in my lab is extraordinary. I have only basic equipment, of course, but it's pointing at 126. I know that's ridiculous, but I've checked and rechecked my results, and it's coming back 126. The Frenchman cleared his throat. Let us be clear what you are claiming. His tone was half interested, half amused. When you say 126, you mean element number 126? The 26th elephant? Yes, Christophe, said Flower Dew breathlessly. I know. When only 118 exist. Everything we know or can possibly think of is made from just the 118. I realize this is a basic science, but maybe we all need a refresher course. Revere chuckled. You seem to have forgotten much in Britain. There was a click and Flower Dew assumed he was now on speakerphone. Some distant French and Dutch was being spoken. Flower Dew decided to take the initiative. I know you are laughing and I don't blame you. I would be in your position too. But before you hang up, just look at the preliminary results I have sent you. Go get your experts, see what they say. I wouldn't have troubled you if I wasn't totally convinced that you must check this out. He heard another voice. Nathaniel, it's Jan. You know as well as I do that I can't be a new element. No one has discovered a naturally occurring element since 1937. That part of the table is complete. It's perfect. The new ones only exist in laboratory conditions for fractions of a second. And I believe you need a 
a particle accelerator. Are you seriously expecting us to believe that a new one has turned up in some kid's rock collection? And now it's just sitting there in your house. Unless you're rewriting the laws of science, you've lost your mind. The Dutchman was always the more aggressive of the two, but even so, Flower Dew didn't like what he was hearing. I know how this sounds, but I haven't lost my mind. I'm telling you, I have a rock here which is behaving in a way I have never seen before. All the readings coming from it suggest it will fit into the table of elements at 126. What about 119 to 125? Where are they? asked Revere. Good question, but no idea, said Flower Dew. Think of it this way. If I'm right, and I have in this lab here the most precious rock ever, of all time, worth more than any diamond, if there are others like it, and of course there will be, they'll pump out so much energy. Cornwall could declare itself independent by Christmas. New power stations from Bood to St. Ives. Do you want to take the risk that I'm wrong? Christophe Revere spoke first. Okay, we're interested. If you are wasting our time on this, you do know we will cut you off completely, don't you? We took a risk recommending you to the Academy in the first place. We might be its chief sponsor, but we have to push hard. Some of our other schools just refused. By rights, you should be in that prison with your colleague, Shivy. If you become an embarrassment again, I was aware of the risks of contacting you, yes. Have you completed all your tests? No, there are two more to do but I would be surprised if they threw up any contradictory data. Finish the tests, send us all the results, everything, Revere paused. However, we will really need to know more about where the boy got it from. It obviously won't be the only one. You say in your email he got it from a dealer. I'll question him further tomorrow, but there are limits to what you can do if you are just a teacher. We can make help available if necessary. Talk to the boy tomorrow and call back at this time. Jan van der Ho came on the line again. You have made us look stupid before. God help you if you do it again.